Coming up this evening on NTD Business. Elon Musk has the backers to buy Twitter. Many of America's biggest banks say they'll give him the money. Florida lawmakers vote to strip Disney of its special status. Walt Disney World will no longer be its own little government. A Chinese oil company that was kicked off the New York Stock Exchange raises $4 billion in China. But why on earth are its Chinese competitors giving it money? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Paul Graney here, live from New York City. Elon Musk says he's lined up the money to buy Twitter $46.5 billion. $25 billion is debt financing, basically loans Twitter will have to pay back with interest. $21 billion is equity financing. That means Twitter won't have to pay back the money, but whoever gives it will own part of the company. That's if Musk ever gets the company. Musk is already Twitter's second largest shareholder. He's now offered to buy all the shares he doesn't own for $43 billion. Today in an SEC filing, Musk said he's lined up commitment letters to finance a deal. It's unclear if he'll sell some of his Tesla stock to cover part of it. The filing banks, including Morgan Stanley, Bank of America and Barclays, have agreed to help out. A Twitter spokesperson said they received the proposal to review it. Earlier, the board of directors it didn't seem too interested. It announced a poison pill move to make it harder for Musk to acquire the company. A filing today hinted that Musk could try sidestepping the board and taking his offer directly to shareholders. We'll keep you updated. And billionaire Bill Ackman has completely discarded his Netflix investments, hinting at a loss of $400 million. Bad bet. Ackman says his hedge fund looks at the long-term potential of an investment and that he's, quote, lost confidence in predicting Netflix's future. He does hold the Netflix management in high regard, says he wouldn't be surprised if it continued being a successful company, but it no longer meets his requirements. Netflix just announced it lost subscribers in the first quarter for the first time in 10 years. It's now considering changes to its business model, even cracking down on password sharing. Are you to blame? Netflix shares down about 4% today after plunging 35% yesterday. And Starbucks is accusing a union of bullying and intimidating workers and customers. It says the Workers United Union has blocked store entrances and exits, made threats, even yelled profanities during demonstrations. Workers United has filed more than 80 complaints accusing Starbucks of illegal union-busting tactics, including threatening and firing pro-union workers. Starbucks has denied any wrongdoing. The nationwide campaign to unionize Starbucks is part of a larger surge in union election petitions filed over the past six months. Unions are also organizing Amazon warehouse workers and Apple retail employees for the first time. Apple employees of one Atlanta store filed for a union election Wednesday. If they succeed, they'll be the first group of Apple retail employees to do it. To form a union, at least 30% of the workers have to submit union cards. More than 70% have done so, according to the labor union representing the employees. The union claims Apple's retail workers have been denied a living wage, cost of living adjustments, and equitable stock options. Apple didn't address the union election directly, but did say it offers very strong compensation and benefits. Starting pay for retail Apple workers is $20 an hour. And over in Florida, it's passed a bill that strips Disney of its special self-governing status. You know, Disney had that. 
If it happens, Walt Disney World will no longer be its own little government. NTD's fake quarter has more. Florida's government is very likely to take away Disney's self-governing status. Florida's Senate passed the bill Wednesday, and Florida's House passed it Thursday. DeSantis has made it clear he'll sign the bill and end Disney's 50-plus years of self-government. It was 1967, they passed the Reedy Creek uh, Improvement Act, and what that did was set aside a special district for Disney to control uh, and to manage and they had their own taxing authority. Paul Chesser is a director at the National Legal and Policy Center, a Disney shareholder. Chesser says Disney's amusement parks are in that land. They're in charge of managing their own fire protection, police protection, road improvements, all infrastructure stuff, anything you associate with government. Losing the district could be a huge blow for Disney. This all started with the Parental Rights in Education Law, which came into effect on March the 28th. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says the bill is about giving no sexual instruction to young children. They support sexualizing kids in kindergarten. They support injecting woke gender ideology into second grade classrooms. They support enabling schools to, quote, transition students to a, quote, different gender without the knowledge of the parent, much less without the parents' consent. Disney has vowed to fight this law, as well as similar legislation in other states, which started this conflict. Corporations have First Amendment rights, uh, and speaking out uh, on political matters is certainly a First Amendment right. Jared Carter is a professor at Vermont Law School. Carter says Disney should have the freedom to voice its opinions. The bill also includes measures to empower parents, where they will be able to sue school districts for violations. One mother supporting the bill said without her knowledge, her daughter's school facilitated her identifying as a different gender. Faye Quarter, NTD News. So with this is George Randall, managing partner and head of HR advisory at the Talent War Group. George also co-wrote The Talent War. George, how do you handle contentious political and social issues in the workplace? Well, when we teach leadership, one of the things that we try to tell people is that first and foremost, it's about leading and taking care of people and the business first. Trying to avoid political conversations. I know that there's this you know, with the rise of social and digital media and the blurring of the professional and the personal, we instruct our leaders to make sure that, look, you have to be focused on the business and what you're delivering to your customers and how you take care of your people. And to the degree that you can separate political and social issues, you should really avoid those. It's really always about developing your people, developing your talent, and making sure that you have the right people to deliver to your clients and your customers. And as much as people want to bring the political and the social and the external, we encourage bringing the whole person to work, but extraneous issues that don't impact the delivery of your mission and winning with your clients and in your marketplace are things that we coach that people should avoid uh, to the degree that they can. They, they don't advance the mission. They, they detract you from what you should be focused on. Do you ban these types of conversations in the workplace? No, you really don't want to be off the, off the, <laughs> uh, like a dictator and say what people can and can't say. But at the same time, you want to keep people focused on the mission at hand. Everybody has their opinions and there's such that blurring that you want to eliminate that so you can have the most effective team that you possibly can. 
Are some businesses specifically looking for people of particular political or otherwise beliefs? Uh, I haven't I haven't found any, um, but you do get a certain bent or a certain cultural fit depending on the coast, depending on the country. You certainly want to take into into account when you're hiring ta great talent. Um, you know the things that will diversify that company. Um, you know, Mike Sorelli and I are really big is that. If everybody's thinking alike, nobody's thinking. So you should be hiring for diversity of thought, diversity of experiences, and diversity that really helps you reflect your customer base or relate and connect with your customer base for a service, a product, whatever it is you're delivering. So you don't look for political uh, specific things, and it's really illegal to do that, to ask political questions. It will get you in a lot of trouble hiring. Uh, but you do want to be paying attention to the diversity of thought and thought leadership that you're bringing into the company. How do you do that? Well, one of the things is I, I spend a lot of time asking questions about, ask a candidate, tell me a time where everybody had a certain solution that they thought was going to work and you were the person that stood up and said, hey, what if we approached it from this direction? And what I'm looking for when I evaluate leaders, when I evaluate executives or I evaluate candidates is people that are respectful and work under what we call the, the idea of the best idea wins. So I'm asking a lot of questions of how they approach things differently or when they saw something that others didn't see and made the right business case. They advocated for their position in a very logical business focused manner. Independent thinking, George, we need it all the time. George Randall, Talent War Group, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And CNN's brand new streaming service, CNN Plus, is shutting down only a month after its launch. The decision was made by new management. Earlier this month, CNN's former parent company, Warner Media, merged with Discovery to form Warner Bros. Discovery. But there's no official reason yet for the shutdown. And on Wall Street today, three major indexes gave up earlier gains but closed lower. An IMF meeting today, Fed Chair Jerome Powell said a half-point interest rate increase will be on the table when the central bank meets in May. Maybe bad for stocks. The Dow today fell 368 points, one and one-tenth of a percent. S&P lost 66 points, one and a half percent. And Nasdaq dropped 278 points, two and one-tenth of a percent today. Bond yields also topped fresh multi-year peaks. Yields of the two-year note hit their highest in three years before coming off slightly. And spring is typically the busiest time for home buying, but if you're thinking about a new home purchase, you might have higher mortgage payments this year. Mortgage rates are the highest they've been in more than a decade and still rising. At this time last year, the average mortgage rate was just under 3%. Now, according to Freddie Mac, the average for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 5.11%. That's up from 5% just last week. It's the seventh consecutive week of increases, and it seems to be starting to take a toll in the housing market. March's existing home sales were down nearly 3% from February. And the Missouri Senate is considering an income tax reduction mechanism. That means, basically, if the state's revenue hits a certain level, you'll pay, more, pay less income tax. The trigger mechanism could eventually eliminate the individual income tax if the state sees enough growth, according to the Tax Foundation. Missouri's governor has signed the Taxpayer Protection Pledge. 
It's an initiative by Americans for tax reform. If you sign the pledge, if you're a governor, a congressman, or a senator, it means you promise not to increase taxes on your constituents unless you're swapping one for another. Here's the founder of Americans for Tax Reform, Grover Norquist. The Taxpayer Protection Pledge is something that Americans for Tax Reform, the group I run, shares with all candidates for office at the national level and at the state level. So governors, state legislators, congressmen, senators, about 85% of Republicans in the House and Senate have signed the pledge and kept it. Since 1994, when almost Ameri all, Ameri all Republicans took the pledge um, and they won the House and the Senate, they've actually held, Republicans have held the House and the Senate more than half the time more than 50% of the time. Before that, it was four years out of 62 that the Republicans had the House and Senate, so one out of 15 years. The Republican Party was not a competitor for running the country in Congress. Oh, presidents from time to time, but not Congress. But after 94, it controls the Congress more often than not. And so the big change is the Republican Party became the party that would never raise your taxes, never, never, never. They may invade small countries they can't pronounce and get in trouble, but they won't raise your taxes. And that gave them control of the House and Senate more than half the time. So that has been a huge shift. And our, the pledge that we share makes it easy for people to know, are you a tax increaser or not? If you're not willing to put it in writing that you won't raise taxes, you're probably a tax increaser. Is it as big an issue for voters as it was in the past? It has consistently been a terribly powerful issue. Um, and it's just always there. And the good news is you, you see its success since 1994. People vote more likely to vote into power those individuals and those parties that will not raise your taxes, state and federal. Have all Republican congressmen, senators signed up? Uh, more than 85% have. Um, and it's always, a lot, there are a lot of guys who run nine people in a district, not everyone gets to win. But of those who win, it's over 85%. And many, many more who are candidates running take the pledge as well. All the presidents since Reagan have taken the pledge. Uh, so it's, and the party, the Republican Party has endorsed the pledge, the Republican National Committee. So it really is a commitment by most Republicans, I'll never raise your taxes. And if a Republican raises taxes, people turn on them, their own base turns on them, because they, even if they forgot to sign the pledge, people, you ran as a Republican. You, we trust you, we thought you could trust you. How about the Democrats? Uh, there used to be Democrats who signed the pledge. Uh, most of them have switched parties and become Republicans. Two senators, five congressmen, Democrats signed the pledge and then switched to the Republican Party. Uh, others take the pledge just before they lose an election when they're trying to save themselves. Um, but it's now the issue that divides the two parties more than any other is, will you raise taxes? Every Democrat's the answer to that is, yes, I will. And every Republican's answer is, no, I won't. Um, and so that's been the big difference. There's some other issues. That, there's some Democrats who won't steal your guns, but there aren't any Democrats who won't raise your taxes. Mm. What do you think has been the, the most effective uh, piece of advocacy you've done recently? Uh, working with the governors and state legislators on those Congress, those state legislators and governors say, I want to cut taxes. And I've talked to them and say, there's a difference between saying I'm going to cut taxes 10 or 20 percent and saying I'm going to cut taxes 10 or 20 percent and my goal is to go to zero. And we're going to have triggers. So when revenue comes into a certain point, it gets cut again and again and again. The law that they passed in uh, Kentucky, they're automatic triggers. As long as the economy is growing and revenue is coming in, you keep cutting taxes whenever new revenue comes in. So new revenue 
new additional revenue from growth. It doesn't get taken by the special interests. It stays with taxpayers, and the tax goes down and down. You don't have to raise some other tax. You rein in spending, allow the new revenue to keep taking your income tax down, uh, and in 10 or 15 years, any state could phase out its income tax just with normal growth. Grover Norquist, Americans for Tax Reform. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good to be with you. And a Chinese oil giant is debuting in Shanghai. But it's after recently being kicked off the New York Stock Exchange. Well, the oil giant's IPO went pretty well, though, in China, but it likely had considerable help from the Chinese Communist Party. Anthony's Don Ma has the details. Chinese state-owned oil giant Sinuk raised over $4 billion in its Shanghai Stock Exchange debut. It's one of this year's biggest stock sales. Sinuk's shares surged a whopping 44% Thursday. $4 billion, no doubt, is a lot of money for a debut. But here's the interesting thing. Nearly half of those shares were purchased by Chinese state-owned companies. Political scientist and economist Ethan Yang says this is likely a Chinese state directive. This is just the CCP uh, telling it's basically um, the CEOs of state enterprises to start propping up the stock market by uh, purchasing stock. So in simplest terms, the success of the debut is mostly thanks to the Chinese state. And the purpose is to strengthen the Chinese stock market. So Xi Jinping has actually announced explicitly that he wants to rejuvenate and restabilize the Chinese stock market. And these state-owned enterprises are, are performing that function in the sense that they are pumping liquidity, pumping uh, money into uh, the Chinese stock market. But is government intervention in the stock market a good idea? Is this sustainable in the long run? I think it's actually extremely unsustainable because um, you are getting that short-term boost. You are getting that short-term stability. And that's what the, I think that's what the CCP needs right now is that they want to prevent a stock market crash and prevent a recession, which would be absolutely disastrous. Uh, but in the long term, they're basically just supporting companies uh, that might not deserve to actually get that money because they're only getting that money because the CCP is telling other companies to invest it into them. The $4 billion that CNUC raised is the country's 11th biggest public stock offering. CNUC's Hong Kong-listed shares rose as much as 4% in early trading, but later swung to a loss of roughly 3%. Don Ma, NTD News. And still to come, stay with us. Best Buy launching a new service to haul away your old tech items, but it'll cost you. Scientists in Europe firing up the world's largest atom smasher again after a long hiatus, resuming the search for dark matter. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. The Food and Drug Administration is investigating Lucky Charm cereal after reports of people getting sick. The move comes after a popular online poison website reported that more than 1,300 people said they had gastrointestinal issues after eating Lucky Charm cereal. But the cereal maker, General Mills, says it's found no evidence of people getting sick. 
The FDA says it's received only but a few complaints about people getting sick after eating the cereal directly. The FDA has started an on-site inspection of the cereal production sites, but hasn't announced a recall. And Global Nature Restoration Organization Rewild, supported by Leonardo DiCaprio, has announced major new ambitions. Plans to help protect and restore nearly 250,000 acres of land by 2030. Anthony's Andrew Thomas has more. The group is working with Yves Saint Laurent Beauty in Morocco, Haiti, Madagascar, and Indonesia, where the company sources ingredients for its cosmetics. The areas we're focusing on with Yves Saint Laurent Beauty are, are areas where they source natural ingredients, but they also overlap with priorities that we've identified, so biodiversity hotspots. So Haiti, Madagascar, Sulawesi are all places that we, we have partners, places where we work. The mission also seeks to highlight the importance of natural restoration in fighting climate change. If we protect and restore the most biodiverse places, it, it's a third of the solution to the climate crisis. And I think we're often not sort of recognizing that when we talk about solutions. We talk about cutting emissions, but we don't talk about kind of our, our, our living, growing, breathing air conditioning system that is biodiversity. YSL Beauty's announcement comes just ahead of Earth Day on Friday, April 22nd. Kathleen Rogers, president of EarthDay.org, highlighted the urgency to restore the environment. We're even more heavily invested now in educating people about voting or about um, consumer choices, but we are equally impatient and need governments and corporations to get it together and take charge, because that's really their business, if you will. The United Nations says the world must restore at least 2.4 billion acres of degraded land, an area of the size of China, in the next decade. While the World Wildlife Foundation says about two-thirds of the world's animals, mammals, birds, fish, amphibians, and reptiles have vanished over the last 50 years. So that's a lot of land. And a billion hectares is a thousand times as much. So this is a lot of land, and we welcome people, organizations, companies, governments, cities that want to be part of this, and there's a lot of them that answer this call. YSL Beauty's partnership with Rewild will see the cosmetic giant fund the restoration of an area 10 times the size of Paris. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And Best Buy is offering a new service to pick up your large tech items that need to be recycled. It's called the Best Buy Standalone Hallway Service. Catchy. Workers will remove up to two items from homes per visit. That includes things like big screen TVs or washing machines, as well as smaller items like laptop computers and gaming consoles. But here's the trick. It's not free. It's not even cheap. Best Buy is charging $200 for each pickup, then presumably making money off those old appliances and computers. Store says it's the largest retail collector of e-waste in the country. And scientists are preparing to restart the CERN particle accelerator this week after a long pandemic delay. It means they can also restart their hunt for dark matter. And the Andrew Thomas is more. Scientists at Europe's CERN Physics Research Center are preparing to fire up the nearly 17-mile-long Large Hadron Collider after a long shutdown. Restarting the collider is a complicated procedure. It's not flipping a button, no, uh, unfortunately. Uh, no, the, the machine is very complex. Potential pitfalls include the discovery of an obstruction. 
the shrinking of materials due to a nearly 300 degree temperature swing, and difficulties with thousands of magnets that helped keep billions of particles in a tight beam as they circled the collider tunnel beneath the Swiss-French border. Yeah, after three years of, of uh, long shutdown, we are all very, very uh, keen on, on getting the excavator running again. Of course, this comes with a, a certain sense of, of, of tension, nervousness. Uh, uh, is everything going well? And, 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 uh, Will it all work as we as we expect? The batch of LHC collisions observed at CERN between 2010 and 2013 brought proof of the Higgs boson particle, which is thought to be vital to the formation of the universe after the Big Bang 13.7 billion years ago. But plenty remains to be discovered. It's a little bit like you discover a new cave in a mountain, then you take a lot of time in order to explore the cave and, and to understand how this cave goes, if there are paintings, if there are no paintings. And this is exactly the same thing that you want to do with, uh, with the Higgs boson. Physicists hope the resumption of collisions will help in their quest for so-called dark matter that lies beyond the visible universe. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. And a tiny Martian moon makes its mark on the sun, albeit a bizarre-shaped mark. And trust us, it's an eclipse like you've never seen. Let's take a look. With all the exploration attention Mars has been getting, it casts a pretty big shadow for a relatively small planet. It's high time another celestial body got its moment in the sun. Q Phobos, a quirky, craggy, potato-shaped moon orbiting Mars that was caught on camera doing its best to eclipse the sun in transit, only to cast a bizarre oblong blotch instead. The Phobos photobomb, if you will, was captured by the Mars Perseverance rover from the surface of the red planet, and it isn't the first time. Eclipses by Phobos have been recorded in the past, but this newest one provides the most high-definition look yet at this tiny Martian moon stealing the sunny spotlight. Whoa. That's the latest of the Entity business team and myself, Paul Graney. You can still catch Entity Evening News. That's with Stephanie Cox at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Follow me on Twitter, too, if you're there. But for Entity Business, that's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.